Hi, I'm Tash and I'm from England. Hi, my name is Martha and I'm from Holland. We met in Bali and fell in love. And this podcast is all about what happens in a long distance relationship after you break the distance. Hello. Welcome back to episode 15. This is going to be, for now, the last episode of Breaking the Stigma. Although I feel like we have to bring it back at some point, right? We for certainly will, but like June is over and uh, we give you for the post podcast jewels. They are non-binary. Yeah, this has been like a little bit of a getting used to, right? For the pronouns, right? So many people don't necessarily know that when someone identifies as non-binary and this is not always the case, but quite often there is a preferred pronoun as they, them gender neutral essentially which we should really adopt generally I think in life in some respects just to or at least ask people yeah and I think if you grow up with it like if our kids grow up with that it's gonna be natural for them but Mm -hmm. I know this for me I oh it's hard yeah in English anyway yeah yeah I was just I don't know it's just so used to him or her yeah so I need to uh be super aware of that it's all good okay so with all of that being said I think it's now to introduce our guest this is the wonderful Jules how you doing I'm very well thank you how are you I'm so good so good thank you so much for joining us I'm really excited (laughs) thank you for having me thank you for having me so we thought we'd start it off with letting you explain to our listeners who you are how you identify and your experience with that Sure. So uh, my name's uh, Jules Guaitamaki. I am an LGBTQIA plus awareness trainer, um, trans inclusion speaker, a social campaigner, freelance writer. And really, I kind of specifically work towards the inclusion of of trans and non-binary people uh, within the workplace, in schools. And much of my work is sharing my experiences to audiences, uh, as many people as possible, really. That's that's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> literally. literally like the perfect job description right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you identify as yourself? So personally, I identify as non-binary and transgender. And they're sort of, they're kind of similar, but not necessarily the same for everyone. Everybody kind of um, has uh, a different interpretation of their own identity. So I can only speak on behalf of my own. But um The reason that I identify as non-binary and trans is because I acknowledge that my identity is lies outside of of the gender binary and I uh, the sex that I was assigned at birth didn't correspond with my gender. However, even transitioning in the last couple of years medically, which I kind of refer to as gender affirmation now, although I'm kind of more mask presenting, uh, my gender identity has still kind of stayed in the middle. So I don't identify as either male or female, mm. um, which is, again, subject to change. It might change over time. Gender can be fluid for people. But right now, I identify as non-binary and I use uh, they and them pronouns. Amazing. That's so interesting. Uh, can you tell um, us a little bit more about your childhood and growing up and how you experienced that? Sure, absolutely. I, I, I struggled quite a lot with my mental health actually growing up and there were some problems within my family. Uh, my parents broke up when I was really young. I didn't have, I didn't, as I said, I've only been through the process of, of gender affirmation in the last couple of years. So growing up, I didn't really have a very good idea of what, who I was. And I think that I really struggled because I was bullied and I went through situations with my family. 
where I didn't really have the opportunity to explore myself. And that definitely had an impact on me on my mental health. But uh, because I struggled with so many kind of immediate issues, I think I really, I was really, really detached from who I really was. And I spent years kind of in the process of being conditioned by the world around me that by the time I got into to my teens, I was, I was really, really troubled. I went through some, some tough um, situations of depression, anxiety, addiction, which is all stuff that I incorporate into some of my talks. Um, and how much of that is attributed to the fact that I struggled with my gender, I'm not quite sure. It's difficult to detach all the issues themselves. Mm, but yeah. um, I spent a lot of my life in, in, in a lot of unhappiness, really, and, and real struggle. And I didn't really get to focus much on what it, you know, my childhood and having a childhood. So mm. that's definitely something I've, I'm experiencing now, going through the process of transition and puberty. It's like <laughs> being <Yeah>. born again. <laughs> I love that. And... So what would you kind of say, because obviously, you know, there's a little bit of um, a journey to getting to the point of wanting to go through, as you say, gender affirmation. Mm. What was your kind of, how did you identify growing up? And then what was kind of the shift into non-binary as it was? The really interesting thing about my experience, I think myself, is that I spent a majority of my life just not knowing uh, about my gender identity. So I identified as, as cisgender, so somebody that's sex and gender aligned so most people uh, so I identified as cisgender for about 28 years I spent most of my life kind of believing that I was female uh, because that's the, the sort of gender and sex I was assigned mm-hmm. at birth but I always felt the this kind of this kind of sense of discomfort and not really being able to put my finger on it so as I I mean I knew I was wasn't straight when I was younger okay. so that was something that I, I sort of really hid and I explored my gender expression so I cut my hair short but these were all aspects of myself that you know unfortunately bullies picked out picked on me for and as a result of that I really developed this sense of internalized shame about being able to express myself the way that I wanted to express myself and I knew that I wasn't straight I knew that I found you know other other females attractive and therefore I was kind of I harbored my sexual orientation for quite a long time And in my early 20s, sort of late teens, early 20s, I I finally started to explore that and kind of come out, so to speak. But even over the years throughout my 20s, identifying as a cisgendered lesbian, and that was kind of my environment in my life, Mm -hmm, there was still this element of discomfort within. And I I didn't like my my birth name. I struggled with pronouns. I struggled with my body. Uh, There were all these kind of internal struggles that I was forever trying to fix. So... I, I, I had eating disorders as well as a way to kind of manipulate my body into being kind of more masculine presenting. Mm-hmm. But at the time I wasn't aware of this and it wasn't until I actually discovered other gender diverse ter- terms that I was finally able to understand myself a bit better because I never typically identified as male. So that was something that I struggled with. I thought all trans people were just men and women and, and you transition yeah, from yeah, one yeah, sex yeah, to yeah. another, right? To the other and that's it. Um, so being able to discover another term, which, you know, non-binary is an umbrella term and can mean many different things. But for me specifically, it meant neither. And when I stumbled across that term and I actually discovered it doing training because I was already going into schools, speaking out about mental health and really being an advocate for kind of mental health recovery, which was something that I was trying to get some you know, recovery with. But doing the training, kind of talking about my experiences as a lesbian teachers asked me to kind of really talk more on the subject of, of the LGBTQIA plus community, which is where I started to understand more about gender identity, which I realized I knew, I knew little about. Yeah. 
Yeah. And how, how long ago was that when you find out a term non-binary? So that was around 28, 28 years old. So I'm 33 now. Yeah, um, okay, five years. Yeah, so not that many years ago, really. And I, I think it's something that isn't really, it's, I'm not, it's not recent. I mean, these, these identities have been around, you know, throughout history, but it's certainly in, in the society that we live in is, con- is considered yeah. uh, more recent because we just, we kind of lost yeah. that idea of, of gender diversity within this kind of Western society and through this society that kind of really promotes binary uh, and very structured, uh, rigid rules and um i you know by discovering that that term i i realized that that's exactly who i was and it was very freeing to be able to use to to finally identify myself and and reject the fact that i had to id as female that i had to use a specific name that i had to you know stay in a body that i felt deeply uncomfortable with and actually through the process of gender affirmation and you know hormone therapy and various other ways that i i was able to kind of align myself I've experienced so much more freedom Mm -hmm. from the issues that I I still carried with me uh, throughout my lifetime. Wow. And where was it that you actually heard the term non-binary? Do you remember? I think I saw it online. I saw it online. I remember doing the research. I thought, oh, a subject that I know very little about is is gender diversity and transgender identities. So when I was researching, I remember just coming across these terms and thinking, oh my God, that's who I am. And I didn't know what that really meant. And it took me a while to kind of settle into using certain terminology and understanding pronouns because I think another misperception about the trans community is we're all just born with the facts and we're not we're we're conditioned just like everybody else like we're born into the same world with the same information and we're not necessarily understanding of ourselves so I just had the opportunity I guess at that point to deconstruct a lot of that conditioning which um, actually gives you know a lot of trans people a bit of an advantage over general society as we got we get the opportunity to understand the way that society works on such a bigger level yeah massively massively so yeah i sometimes think it's like an evolution like we're evolved humans <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah let's we'll, we'll call it yeah, non-binary we'll call it evolved humans, evolved from that one. humans. <laughs> that's cool. well that's the thing about gender gender is non-binary it is diverse within itself it's really unrealistic to yeah. think that we just we're just we're just plonked into two categories and that's who we are because we're right. so much more diverse than that as human beings yeah it's so true if you think of even within if we're going to say the stereotypical quote-unquote male category but the diversion of males that you have within that and how we assume when someone is effeminate that they're gay when actually they're just a different version or a different you know within that that one category so it makes sense that there should be a spectrum from male to female yeah housing everything in absolutely and it's like assuming that all lesbians are butch yeah yeah, it's like we we continue to to kind of plonk all these stereotypes and um, attribute them to different aspects of our identity, which are all completely separate from each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually we need to kind of pull them apart to really understand, understand them better because even sexual orientation, that's fluid, that changes. Uh, yeah, minds okay. change through transition, which was really interesting because I spent my life kind of solely being attracted to sort of them presenting people. And then through the process of hormone therapy and transition, and I really tried to analyze that within myself. I thought, oh, because it's really opened up, you know, who I'm attracted to. Yeah. And that's just been unbelievable. And it's so common as well. So many people, and I don't know if it's because I'm more comfortable with my body, myself, my identity, yeah. that perhaps it's kind of, sort of broken down a few of those barriers. But 
it's an amazing experience and it's just it's just brought me nothing but freedom sorry for interrupting this podcast if you're enjoying today's episode then please feel free to head over to our patreon page that is patreon.com forward slash breaking the distance patreon is where you can support us and also have the opportunity to access lots of exclusive rewards like live feeds workouts and other fun stuff but for now let's get back to the episode yeah Wow, that's amazing. And how would you describe your sexuality right now? My sexuality, I I describe it, I use the term queer and I could probably also use the term pansexual. And -hmm. there are so many different um, terms for sexual orientation as well, which, which, because I think typically we've we've kind of acknowledged lesbian, gay, bisexual people, maybe less bisexual people because there's still a lack of visibility. But, Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, and often just assuming that if someone's bi, they're just confused and that's another myth. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, being able to identify more with bisexuality and, and pansexuality and queerness is just uh, that kind of enables more gender identities to be recognized as well. Because so another true. dilemma that I found myself in was, oh, so if I'm non-binary, I'm no longer a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer female. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But there are there are non-binary lesbians. Like, again, it's such a, a personal experience and people... Yeah. People, you know, stand by their own sort of sense of identity very strongly. And there are people that identify as non-binary lesbians. Personally, I always felt some level of discomfort with the term lesbian. And I think it's because it just, it really put me, I experienced what we call gender dysphoria, which is that discomfort of, of either physical or social where you're being gendered in a specific way or you experience your body in a specific way that, that is uncomfortable. Um, and because of that dysphoria certain things used to make me feel that so mm-hmm. being referred to as she lesbian that would kind of immediately tap into the sense that I was female yeah. but I again couldn't put my finger on why is it that I don't like being referred to as a lesbian like so many years yeah. and I thought it was due to the stigma attached to the word but it wasn't it was the fact that it it, it made me personally feel like a woman when I'm I, I wasn't yeah which I mean, that's the story that we had as well from Angel, my cousin, who's trans male and had originally been pigeonholed as lesbian, lesbian because, yeah. you know, he was attracted to women. But exactly that same sense of like, but it just doesn't feel right. And I cannot pinpoint mm-hmm. why. Yeah. And you're right. Like you would assume that it's some of the stigmas attached to you. Like, I don't particularly like the word lesbian either. I'm same. quite yeah. comfortable in my gender, but I just. I don't know mm. it makes me feel uncomfortable because of all the stereotypes you put with the word yeah right? it's so true and mm. it's that confusion as to yeah. why don't you like the word and it's so true that everyone like attaches to their own identity because the other week we were talking to a polyamorous bisexual but she was actually if you look at the term pansexual but bisexual just fit her and just yeah, she would still like mm. be open for everyone but it was just like the term that she felt comfortable with Queer seems to be a key umbrella, yeah. right? And I, I think, think that's queer the key. seems to be the one that comes up every single yeah. time. Is yeah. Actually now, in terms of the LGBTQ community, are really gravitating towards queer. Yeah. Because Especially it's so with the, all-encompassing. So all, all the letters and like, we want to fit everyone into boxes, but in the end, it's just nice to have one community. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and I think I like these umbrella terms because they're they're diverse within themselves yeah. you know they can mean a, different things to different people um and ideally you know people ask me whether 
I think labels are important. And I think in an ideal world, we wouldn't have them. Mm. But in a, in a world full of labels, they're very important because they kind of, they, they provide visibility to groups of people that are either ignored invisible or underrepresented and you know people talk about this alphabet soup but it's like if we don't have the i <laughs> if we don't have the i or the a then these people don't get the recognition and, and you know again intersex people are, are, are very rarely talked about and don't have a lot of visibility are still fighting for their rights and it's important that everyone has their place and has their has their label in order to, to be recognized. Um, did you want to ask? Um, I was wondering, uh, so where you are right now, f do you feel like you still uh, want to change something or do you feel super comfortable with like how you are at the moment? Yeah, and that's another thing as well. I mean, and it's interesting because I, I like talking about being non-binary and transition, transitioning because often people um, assume that if you're non-binary, you must present androgynous. Again, yeah. we start yeah. um, associating like aesthetic yeah. and as pre presentation to gender identity. And actually, my gender identity is so internal. It's, it, I don't feel it's so, so much reflected on the external. And I'm definitely going further down the road of presenting more, more masculine um, mm. because I'm only two years into my, two and a half years into my transition. But um, I feel that I'm happy and people, I'm happy on the, on the road that I'm on. So I've, I've had um, top yeah. surgery. I'm, I'm still um, taking hormones, uh, but people do stop, stop taking hormones. Some people stop taking hormones and they're comfortable with that. Some people are on lower doses of mm -hmm. hormones. Some people don't want surgery. Some people do. And again, even the process of transition yeah. is different for, for everyone mm -hmm. in terms. And it's, for me, I've very much had to navigate my way along. Like we talked about that feeling of, of what feels comfortable and it's, it's it's difficult because sometimes you feel like you're kind of navigating your way in the dark but as time goes on I experience that a little bit more freedom and I have done but I'm, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm so so happy and comfortable in my skin beyond like anything I've ever experienced and it's de definitely it was definitely the right yeah. thing and it's interesting because so many trans people talk about undergoing the process and when you do I found that it did improve my mental health but it also brought a lot to the surface because when you align with yourself physically it's yeah. like yeah I'm so comfortable with myself on the outside but inside there's still some issues that need addressing that I don't think I could have accessed um, had I not gone through this process so it's actually helped me to to, to get yeah. to some of the core issues that I wasn't facing before because I was just so riddled with discomfort physical pain and mental pain right and that's about your focus yeah yeah I mean, it's funny because even speaking to you now, and obviously, you know, we're fully aware of the term non-binary, but I feel like speaking to you now, actually, I, I couldn't actually give another term. Like, it makes it like I have no <laughs> impulse to call, to use mm. she or he. Like, they, them is what feels <laughs> most right speaking to you in this moment, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And for people to kind it's, of yeah. push against that. I feel like you're then not seeing the person in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting as well, because some, sometimes it can feel like energetic and I see it in myself as yeah, well. Yeah. I look at myself and I think I don't see someone who's male or female. I just no. see somebody who's themselves. Um, and and I, it does, I still encounter so much confusion from, from the general public. Like I'm misgendered. I'm either he, I can be he, sir, ma'am in a day, like <laughs> all throughout my day. Yeah, yeah. People are so confused. Yeah. Even if I'm stood behind someone, I could get called ma'am. It's just, it's almost like they've sensed me coming, but they haven't actually looked at me oh, or yeah. thought, is that a shit? It's really, it's very wow. interesting. Like, but um, it's a bit of a pain because yeah. I'd like everybody to use gender neutral language until they know otherwise. But I mean, yeah. 
um, that's still something that so we're working on in society. Right? Yeah. yeah. And how how did your family and friends respond to your uh, journey? I think there was a lot of there was a bit of misunderstanding at the beginning, so people didn't really understand what I was going through and and why. And so you know there was some resistance from people that you know were ignorant. But I watching me go through the process and, and get to the point where I am now, I've had just positive feedback from everyone including my 90 year old Italian grandma who <laughs> who you know she's she's oh. fully Italian you know immersed <laughs> into Italian tradition which is can be quite you know binary and, and very traditional uh, but she, yeah. she turned to me last summer and said I don't understand it but it makes sense it just looking at you this makes sense um so again it goes back to just wow. you know experiencing someone else's reality seeing them and, and hearing them sometimes it can make more sense than yeah. really trying to dissect yeah. and understand understand it on a personal level because people don't have to understand they just have to accept it and they have to and they should support it it's so true yeah massively and I guess family and friends can feel that shift in your energy like we don't understand it but we can see that it makes you happier yeah. whatever it is it's making you happier so can't really argue with that right absolutely and I think the the you know something we need to move towards in the UK is 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 really is that is to move away from the debate and thinking that you know trans lives are up for discussion mm, like yeah. it's 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 exactly the same form of discrimination as it would be to 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 have an opinion on someone's sexual sexuality or sexual orientation like we you know it's not up for debate but unfortunately yeah. people still feel that they can have an opinion on the subject and it's just such a damaging attitude to have yeah and uh, we know you're in Italy now do you is there a really big difference between the UK and Italy um so I didn't know much about the situation in Italy and no. I'm having to look into it because <laughs> um luckily I'm not having to sort of come into contact with any kind of authorities or or anyone you know because at the moment here I'm I'm I mean I'm rec- I'm not recognized in the UK either I still have a female passport we don't have legal recognition of, of non-binary people in the UK oh, um wow. yeah I didn't know yeah wow. just, I think we should just like take yes. a moment for that for everyone listening <laughs> there is no legal representation of non-binary people therefore you have to specify either being male or female Wow. yes and there's on been your, some on your other... legal document like the thing yeah. that very much defines who you are on this planet yes wow okay no idea. wow so and and there's been some adaptations to how you can refer to your title so for example the dvla reckon like user a gender neutral title mx instead of mr or miss okay. or mrs so you can apply for, well not apply you can use you can request the use of of gender neutral titles not just for sort of certain documentation, but also when you, you know, a lot of organizations have updated their website to include that. Uh, But it's not an official representation, it's just an option. And so many countries around the world do recognize non-binary identities, and yet in the UK, we're still very, very behind. And that, again, comes down to the Gender Recognition Act and how behind we are with that. Um, And and 70% of the country looking for a reform, and yet, our government still very firmly sitting on the fence and and kind of refusing to to make make the process easier for trans and non-binary people in the UK it's still a very very difficult process 
wow, I didn't realize we were like that far behind because we're so much further forward yeah. than a lot of other things. And you look at like our employment diversity compared to the US, but wow, okay. It, it's interesting how our government, just, you know, how the legal process in the UK just hasn't caught up, but it's because we're so behind. I mean, the mm. GRA was came out in 2004. Like, you know, the Equalities Act is, is still, some of the terminology included in the Equalities Act is still outdated. Um, referring to people as transsexual and, and you know it's just it, it, mm-hmm, it refers yeah. to gender reassignment rather than it does you know the whole transgender umbrella and all the identities that come alongside with that so we are very behind in the UK in terms of our, our, our legislation and our policies. Wow. So I feel like we should just to you for you to highlight where can people go what are good websites or organizations that people can go to to learn more about this and potentially sign petitions or you know to that's a source of information yeah there's lots out there at the moment as well um, there's a big push to to reform the gender recognition act as, as the current minister for of women and equalities is, is trying to uh, remove a lot of trans rights and also push back on the reform of the gender recognition act so um there's lots there's lots you can do you can write to your local mp on the situation um she's also trying to um prevent under 18s from accessing vital health care as well so gender affirming care so there's a lot of movement to kind of really push back on some of basic trans human rights really and and kind of prevent us from moving forward but you can write to your local mp there's there's templates that you can find online gendered intelligence have also released a method in which you can also write into the government because there was again movement last week i believe uh, on on liz trust really wanting to push forward with this so gendered intelligence mermaids uh, they're kind of resources are specifically for families and, and transgender youth uh, but they support the families as well and um, there's lots of information online you can look at resources such as stonewall you can look at trans specific kind of research databases as well but I, i'd look at the reliable resources and make sure that what you're looking at is is valid source of, yeah, of information yeah, and not yeah, sure. not the rubbish that's out there as well because there's a lot of misinformation on the internet too absolutely thank you and <laughs> um, just want to flick through and the community do you feel accepted within the lgbtqia plus community um definitely as, as time's moved on there's definitely i feel i definitely feel more supported and more accepted i think we still have a bit of a way to go in some sort of social spaces because i've had some interesting experiences in in queer spaces or lgbtq plus spaces um from you know and some treatment that wasn't so nice because i'm often assumed i'm just often assumed as like either a cisgender straight male or a cisgender gay male yeah and people yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, still make those assumptions in those spaces which can can sometimes be quite difficult but i feel like so many places have actually made it so much more inclusive of, of the trans community like certain you know dating apps although again there's still uh, discrimination on dating apps so i'm a bit apprehensive when it comes to that because i'm just aware that individuals mm-hmm. are still ignorant and they're still you know stereotyping people and yeah. And, yeah. and assuming people's gender identity based on on how they look so a lot of that still does go on um however i've got a lot of allies and a lot of friends and, and a big community and that makes all the difference mm-hmm. so i tend to just stick to to, the, to my own really and to people that that do accept me and, and love yeah. me yeah makes Gross. sense are you uh, dating right now? <laughs> I'm not. I'm 100% single. Oh, <laughs> so, so you can go and check out Jules's Instagram. <laughs> check them out. <laughs> slide into their DMs. <laughs> I'm 
I'm in a bit of a break. <laughs> I've had like a 10 year sort of like ongoing one after oh, the other. So I'm having a, a, a well yeah, needed yeah. break for, for, for now anyway, unless, you know, yeah. well, unless someone comes along. It's also <laughs> a thing right now. I know it's like put so many life. relationships to the test as well, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. I was massively. We've done long distance 10 months <laughs> to together 24 seven for 10 weeks. So. Wow. <laughs> it's intense. Wow. I think it's really showing signs of strong relationships, I think, because I think, yeah. you know, you have to have a really solid partnership in order to kind of have distance and, and then, yeah, and be in lockdown together. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> but I think it's also, it's also been an amazing thing. I think this month, the fact that it's spanned over Pride Month, I think it's been the first Pride that people are actually having conversations and remembering, oh yeah, that's why we have Pride. It's not just to get wasted yeah. and like cover ourselves in rainbows. Um, like actually understanding the reasoning behind it. And I actually wanted to ask you, um, obviously all the work that you do, how did you get into that? So I became a public speaker in 2013. I actually was volunteering for the Amy Winehouse Foundation when it first started. Oh. Yeah, and I was um, I was kind of newly, I had a lot of issues with, with addictions and, and mental health and I started to really get help in my early 20s. Uh, and as a result of that, I, I really found the benefit in, in sharing my story. Like I'm a very open person. I enjoy educating. I enjoy talking about issues that I feel like people kind of avoid and, and, and need to be more spoken about. So I got involved with the Amy Winehouse Foundation. I actually began telling my story to schools just in general about my general mental health and, and addiction issues through that charity. And then I started to I kind of fell into it professionally. I, I discovered an organization that did it professionally. And before I knew it, I kind of landed a, a freelance career in public speaking, advocating on mental health issues and addiction. And uh, over time that progressed into different areas such as my, my gender identity and, and my experience around that. And now it's mm -hmm. predominantly focused on that just because there's such a need for it in the UK. So I actually was able to focus more on, yeah, sure. on, on kind of working towards inclusion within schools, within corporate, the corporate sector as well it's hugely lacking so mm -hmm. I, I work across yeah. the board in terms of, of my training and speaking work which is great because there's like we said there's such a need for it and there's yeah. still such a lack of understanding around certain issues a lot of people don't know how to tackle discrimination they don't know what the different forms of discrimination are you know unconscious biases microaggressions you know yeah, how to yeah. be an ally how to approach the subject of pronouns and and how to, to kind of you know people are afraid to ask those questions and, and to address those issues so yeah. I, I I'm quite happy to kind of be the person that they can ask those questions to and have some of those questions answered yeah and what's your response I'm actually quite curious to know what the response is in terms of from schools when you're speaking to obviously a younger generation mm, um, yeah. where both I feel like they're a lot more educated on one sense, but at the end of the day, kids can still be kids, right? And they yeah. love to pick on anything that's different. Um, so what's been your experience within the schools? My experience in schools has been really different depending on where I go I find that all schools are completely they have a completely different kind of feel to them um, but I, I, I go to independent private state you know I've, I've been to people referral units I've really kind of explored all the school I've been to international schools abroad as well where there's where there's children from from different countries from all over the world and and I think you're right kid like children can be children but there is a level of open-mindedness in, in our youth that is, is, it's, is, yeah. has been really great to work with. Whereas I find that adults have very firm preconceived ideas 
the younger generation seem to be more open to learning. And actually, I've been to some schools where they're so young and yet so embracing of what I'm teaching them and so yeah. supportive of if there are only trans children in, in their classroom. And it's been really lovely to, to witness because it's not something that I kind of witness in general society, I find that, no. you know. And um, it's interesting how in the last few years there's, there's been more young people, trans young people that I've experienced in, in that I've met in, in, in schools. And I think it's very much to do with the fact that there is more information for people to identify themselves with. Yeah. For example, that's how I identified myself through information and, and something that I could have done at a much younger age. And I think that that is one of the reasons that there are more younger trans people. Uh, the reception can be very mixed. I find that there has been moments where I, I can tell that people are clearly, you know, either having a laugh or not taking me seriously. However, I'd say that most of my experiences have, have, have been really positive and I've, I've had to have a certain approach in terms of how I, I teach this stuff. Like I, you know, I have to yeah. put in very firm boundaries. I have to make sure that I, I'm kind of safeguarding as well and not putting anyone at risk that's in yeah. the room. And I, I kind of won't tolerate, you know, discrimination. And um, so that's been, that's been something that I've developed over the years, my ability to kind of really kind of hold the room, be assertive, be confident in the way that I speak, especially when, when touching on, on such yeah you know, difficult subjects for myself, I can do it with an air of confidence and self-assurance. And, and that kind of, I think that helps when communicating to an audience, because if they see you sort of buckle under pressure and feel nervous, like, it's you know, kids like, will start oh in the room. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally like vultures on that. It's like fresh meat yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah. There's an unspoken power play that goes oh, on in the really room. Is. Yeah. 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 It really is. Yeah, you have to own it. You have to own it. And it's something that I, I feel that I've done. And it, it's really helped actually when, when educating this stuff. I feel that young people are taking me more seriously because because I'm able to implement those boundaries. But equally, I don't go in there like, screaming and shouting and shaming yeah, anyone. No, no, no. I go in there as one of them. I just say, you know, as a human being. And I think that's very useful as well to make it more relatable, a more relatable yeah. subject for them. So cool. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd love, I would have loved it if you'd come to my school. Yes. Like, oh my and God, this is so cool. I don't think they ever discussed <laughs> it in my school. Oh, uh, it means so much to the LGBTQ yeah. plus young people that I go in, when I go in and I talk, you know. I've, I've always got a little group of young people it's that like are really grateful for having come everything. in. You know, at that age, all you're looking for is somebody who looks like you yeah. or aligns with your the way you yeah. feel or are thinking. You know, it's why these kids become so big on YouTube, right? And because yeah. people are just searching for that, somebody to validate their identity and how they feel and to have mm. you step into school and it's not just the standard police officer going, say no to drugs. <laughs> 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 not at all and it's so nice because I think there's a lot I've, I've actually been speaking to a lot of young people recently or, or slightly older one of them that's recently left high school who's 19 and and um he's very much an activist now you know yeah. and they're creating like an international day of trans youth and they're really working he's working with a lot of more trans youth to kind of create a bit of an uprising where they're they're starting to speak out for themselves which I love because it's I feel so like good us adults have had to go in and speak on behalf of them. And actually yeah. they, they have the right to have their voice yeah. and their say and to be heard, which I think is a really important step forward um, in the UK, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so funny you say that. I've just been looking at a charity <laughs> called the Advocacy Academy, which is literally that. It's empowering young people to step into, put them in spaces where they're talking in front of MPs and all, big organizations. <sighs> and these are kids from all different backgrounds on all different topics across LGBT, class gender everything yeah and i just think it's such a powerful thing that we have youth to now push yeah. to the front line 
it's really important. We, we could learn a lot from young people yeah. because they're, they're, they've yet to be conditioned or they're currently in the process of being conditioned, right. but they, you know, they, they're the original people that I feel we could learn a lot from because, yeah, and they've got a lot to say. And I think it's, it's time for us to, to start listening and hearing them rather than having all these sort of government MPs speaking yeah, out on yeah. behalf of what they think's best because clearly they've been doing they an atrocious job. Yeah, right, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Maybe that's our next campaign, Amplifying Young Voices. Yeah, that's a good idea. Rant it, rant it. I love it. <laughs> so we're going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your day in Italy <laughs> and enjoy the sunshine. Um, thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. It was, was really absolutely good. amazing and we know that everyone's learned a lot, a lot, a lot. Yes. Um, so Me we'll as well. say bye to you now. You're so welcome. Wow. Again, I've learned so much. I think it's really interesting. What really struck me with that is that Jules, if we're going to break it down into labels, is also trans. Yeah, super interesting. But however, still identifies as non-binary. Whereas you have the perception of if somebody is trans, they definitively want to change from the gender they were born as into the gender that they feel most related yeah. to right yeah and what i what i've seen before is that a lot of people before are gay and then straight because then they uh, are their real gender like angel last week yeah. right so his i was born female then was a lesbian and is now a straight male but i love that also his sexuality uh, sorry, their sexuality changed yeah like through that evolution of gender yeah and i guess it comes down to that whole thing they were saying about once you're comfortable in your own skin like in the words of rupaul if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else can so i get it amen and it's like that literally yeah. in encapsulated i think we need to hear more of these stories mm -hmm. it's just because then still for me i still can't understand in certain ways but somehow when i talk to jules i i can feel it yeah and you have more of an understanding yeah okay i'm so learning so much I'm, 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 and i'm sad it's over but it was also a lot of work so i'm also a little bit happy it's over yeah i'm gonna take a little vacation um from podcasting for at least <laughs> a week so let us know what you think we've now come to the end of breaking the stigma technically the yeah, official send campaign us some messages because we've seen people listening but we don't hear so much feedback about the podcast yeah right yeah it's very true please 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 hit us up on instagram it's underscore breaking the distance or comment on a blog post on www.breakingthedistance.com um bye lovely people thank you for listening and we will see you soon do 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 bye, bye.